Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Kinda Libertarian. My man, Mike Turpin on the ones and twos. Mm -hmm. They just say that, so I just said ones and twos. I know you have no turntable, but I'm just no, rolling. Okay. Just roll with it, man, just roll with it. That would, I never even knew that's what that meant. That, I'm so glad really? you said that. That's a turntable reference. I had no idea. Wow, you're out of I touch, know. I got very out of touch. <laughs> we, are, we are blessed to have the one and only April Flores on the Kind of Libertarian podcast today. April, welcome to the Thank show. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Real quick, so everyone knows who you are. I, now, just so for um, reference, uh, April and I go way back. I, we've known each other for about 20 years. Um, about that, I think, yeah. And um, so, you know, it's not like I don't, we, it's not like we don't know each other. Um, it's not like I just, you know, randomly found this person who would work really well with the podcast today with the, the topics we're going to talk about and be like, oh, she would be great. Like, I, I know her very, very well. Um, and I know that uh, having, here, having her here will provide us with um, a level of understanding about personal sovereignty that, you know, you and I, Mike, have talked about this before, but um, we're going to take it to a whole nother level today. Real quick, I just want to run down April's bio. I'm gonna read it because I'm not smart enough to remember five sentences. April Flores is a fat model and performer with a cult-like following, having appeared in hundreds of films, books, and magazines in her bright career. An award-winning porn star, Flores has appeared in countless adult films in every genre of the adult industry, was the first BBW to win two consecutive AVN awards for her groundbreaking work. She's also the model behind the first ever Fat Pussy Cyberskin Sleeve. April Flores is also a writer and advocate for positive body image, published in multiple anthologies and journals, speaking on her experience as a plus-size artist, activist, and sex worker. Catch her book, Fat Girl, April Flores by Carlos Betts. Follow her on Twitter at TheAprilFlores or check out her premium feed at OnlyAprilFlores.com. Once again, April Flores, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, dude, we've known each other for 20 years. I, I think it's, it's hit that mark. Crazy. Time, time is such a weird concept. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about psychedelics. We were talking about psychedelics before we started the <laughs> podcast today. And time is, uh, that's a whole, time can bend and swerve and move however you want it, depending on what the molecule you have in your body. <laughs> and she said that, she said time is such a weird concept. Immediately, my brain was just like, oh my God, ditto. <laughs> was like, like she's speaking my language. <laughs> that was a hell of a, you are for real. That is a, that you are an accomplished person. I'm excited. I only knew a little bit about this. So I am, I'm very amped. That was, you have put in some, some solid, solid work in your lifetime. Now, question, 20 years ago, you were not a porn star, right? Like this has been since you've known Jeff, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I started performing in, in adult it 15 and a half years ago. So okay. I had known Jeff before uh, I started in the industry. But yeah, I've been, I've been around for a minute. Someone messaged me the other day, like, yeah, I've been like jacking off to you for almost 20 years. And I was like, that's, that's an exaggeration. And then I was like, actually, no, it is, it is almost 20 years. <laughs> that's, that's loyalty awesome. right there. That's longer <laughs> than marriages last. Yeah. You know? <laughs> longer than my last marriage, yes. <laughs> it, it's really cool. It's really cool. This sounds uh, a weird but it sound, it's very cool to talk to a porn star. We had a guy that came to the gym 
who's a, a porn star. Now, I don't know quite to the level of you. I mean, he's his claim to fame is, oh, I've been front page of Pornhub or some shit, you know, but or like, you know, the, the, but not not AVN type shit. But it, it, he was coming to the gym and he's hanging around all these MMA fighters. And he goes, you guys don't know how cool it is to be around a bunch of fighters. Like, I feel so awesome about this. And I'm like, damn, dude, because it makes my day to come to the gym and hang around a fucking porn star. Like, what a cool, <laughs> unique thing um, to pursue. And what an interesting, unique way of life. Even as a kid, I actually used to watch AVN type stuff and, and awards. And, and every time I would see these people and their lifestyle or like the HBO used to do the real sex and the, those sort of things, more like documentary sort of um, behind the scenes stuff. And I would love just seeing this unique, eccentric um, group of people. It just, it was so, it's such its own thing. And, and it, it really brings out a lot of interesting, unique people from what I can tell. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a unique bunch. Um, yeah, we can go into it more. I'm sure we can incorporate yeah. this into the conversation, but yeah. Um, Cool. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that. I was like, yeah, so there's, I know the, it's not like a question or anything. But Who was the performer? All right, he goes by Don Baltimore. His <laughs> thing is, if you've ever seen, it was Undercover Sluts was his thing. And this is actually something we've talked about, Jeff and I have uh, talked about on the show. And I'm curious if you have been involved in anything like this, because it's something I find interesting. And, and I'm curious of like, socially, what effect this might have. And it's probably the biggest hot topic. And what I would say, at least amateur internet uh, porn is the fact that there's so much stuff out there where, where like even very normal seeming porn stars are doing scenes that are based around like incest and, and that sort of everybody is somebody's sibling, everybody is somebody's parent. And I don't know if we want to literally start with that. Jeff probably has some <laughs> ideas where to start, but, but he does stuff like that. And it's, it's a little conflicting that something like that is a bit conflicting for me and where I, where I stand, I don't think it's distinctly wrong or, or, or whatever, but it's just interesting to note that 80% of porn right now seems to be incestuous. Is it that right? much? Do you think? I don't know. At least 50, I would say, right. I, I, I watch I a lot of POV stuff and, and okay. point of view. Definitely. It's a lot. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I don't know if the family, and we, we should know it, it's all step family. So step mom, step brother, right. step sister, step daddy. Um, I don't know if it's that high. So in, in porn, I've been around long enough to know that there are trends and it's, it's like cyclical. So um, maybe like 10 years ago, a little bit more than 10 years ago, it was like parodies, you know, like um, not the, not the, um, monsters not the adams family, like whatever they they made a parody out of everything and then um step family stuff kind of um is big it was big a few years ago and it's kind of still big it's just people what they're into and and um ultimately pornography is a business so i think that's what people tend to forget that um it is a business and we do have to make what the market is you know, going for and purchasing. 
And um, yeah, but it, at the same time, the, the main, the big companies, the mainstream porn, they're a little bit behind the time. So um, once something sells really well, they like latch onto it and oversaturate and just do it, do it, do it because that's what's selling. Um, so yeah, this, the, the parent stuff is, I don't get it personally why it titillates people. And at the same time, I think that having, um, pornography and other adult material to exercise certain fantasies is safer than actually, you know, people living it out and doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I have, I have, I'm 45. So I do have fans who, you know, call me mommy and, um, I do that type of stuff in, in my clips for my OnlyFans. Um, I don't get it, but, you know, it's a product and I need to make money. So, you know, I, I will engage in, you know, some scenes where I'm stepmommy and, uh, you know, I caught stepson, you know, going through my panties or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I think right. you bring up a really good point. It is a business, you know, and as, I mean, you know, I don't know what the average amount of porn a person watches. I mean, I, I definitely watch less now than I did when I was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but I think that's just a result of, you know, less of a sex drive, you know, compared to when I was 20 years younger and just time, you know, like for me, it's like, well, I, I mean, it's sad, but like, you know, I got, a, I, I got, I got kids, I got two jobs. So it's kind of like, if I want to watch porn, I need to carve out like 15 minutes and go to the bathroom and lock the door. And it's just not fun anymore. You know what I mean? It's like great when I take a, like a, a business trip or something and I get to my hotel room and people are like, Oh, we're going to go out, hit the clubs, whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to take my computer out and, and I'm going to like lay on the bed and no one's going to bother me. And I got a whole hour to myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. but, you're, but you're right. It's a business. And you know, one thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast is the idea of free markets and free markets exist really based on supply and demand. Porn would not exist if there was no demand for it. And we know that. So, you know, oftentimes um, we will see kind of like this moral do-gooder attitude, whether it be from politicians or maybe um, civic leaders or whatever it may be. And they're, they're very quick to criticize. Um, I wouldn't say it was just porn pornography. Sometimes I don't even like to say it because say the word pornography because it seems kind of silly sometimes. Some of the things that they consider to be porn, um, but but I guess my point is, if we really truly believe in a um, in a free market driven society, then you cannot oppose the, the you cannot oppose sex work in in any way, whether it be um, porn, whether it be pornography like online porn, whether it be um, dancing at a club whether it's uh, prostitution or set, I don't even know what the proper term is. Now you have to educate me on this, but it's like all of that stuff. Again, it's, 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 we, and we, uh, this is something else we talk about a lot too. It's based on personal sovereignty. What you do with your body is your business. As long as you're not hurting anybody, no government or no person has any right at all to tell you what you can do with your body. Working in this industry, do you, do you feel pressure from, um, I guess my question is, I, I know there's always been pressure from outside groups that would say, no, it's wrong. Sex work is wrong, no matter how you look at it. But it's one thing if you think it's wrong. It's another thing to force that opinion on people. Do you ever, are you ever in a situation where you feel like people are like calling you out and trying to get you to stop doing what you're doing or um, 
almost like kind of pull you into a debate that you really just don't even want to have because it's not their business. I actually don't, thank goodness. I, I, I live in LA, it's a huge city, and I, my friends are either sex workers themselves or cool people who I've chosen to allow into my life. And um, other, like, I, I don't know, I am a year into pandemic, so maybe I might be disconnected from like what used to happen, but I don't think I've ever really been in that type of situation. Um, the closest thing I could think of is um, my ex, we were, uh, they were wearing a, a hoodie that said kink, kink.com, you know, it's a, a website. I think it's still around. Um, and some lady came up to them and was like, why are you wearing that sweatshirt? Like, don't you know this company, blah, blah, blah. And my ex was really, especially at the time was really like introverted and really highly sensitive and whatever. So they got upset and then I, we went outside and then I was like, fuck that. Now I'm going to have to deal with this person being upset. <laughs> so I was like pissed off. So then I went up to the lady inside the restaurant. I was like, how dare you come up to us? You don't even know us. You don't know what's going on in our day. Don't like you're, you're, you're entitled. And I forgot the other one I told her, but you're entitled and rude is what I was <laughs> saying to her she was like i'm not entitled and i'm like you're entitled and rude i made a scene <laughs> in the restaurant because she really fucked up our day you know or the potential was there for my ex to just spiral all night and then i have to deal with it mm -hmm. so that's the closest thing i can um think of sometimes some people i know will make some um microaggressive com comments to me like oh at least xyz so then i i try to like make a note of that and you know like adjust how i interact with that person going forward um but yeah thankfully no and i think it's just because i'm really intentional on who i keep in my mm -hmm. bubble covid and outside of covid and i'm in a major city and here i don't think really anyone really cares mm -hmm. um when you say microaggression, like, can you give me an example of what uh, what one might be in that situation? Yeah, the most current one was I'm I'm trying I'm I'm starting a new job in a new field, um, which is more in the movie TV industry. And this friend was like, "Oh well, you know, at least you don't have to do that work anymore." So little things like that, or or in the beginning of the pandemic, I had a handful of friends that were like. Oh, if, if, you know, my, if I can't sustain myself, like maybe I can join OnlyFans and that's really not okay to say because it's not a just, okay, I'll just like, I think that people view sex work as like a fallback thing. Like, oh, if I don't, if I don't become this, like whatever I'm aspiring to, I, at least I can always strip or at least I can, now it's like, I can like take nudes and sell them online. No, actually that shit is really hard. This is a hard job. Um, you have to consider the emotional labor it takes to deal with clients and fans. Like that is for me, that's the most draining part. Um, now that people are making their own work, you have to, work hard you have to do the work you have to promote yourself and marketing and engaging and um networking and all of these things that people like it's not like you say okay i'm going to take my titties out and meet, become like a millionaire like that shit does not happen people who are successful are baseline yes they're hot 
yes, they're sexual, but they are also a hard worker, a business person, on time, professional, all of these other things that I think that people don't think about when they're fucking jacking off, which maybe they shouldn't, but I would implore people, I hope that's the word, like a fucking motivate people to, if you have had an orgasm from someone, go to their fucking Twitter. It's really easy to find how you can send us some money. Send us 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. If we have given you pleasure, give us some fucking financial backing because this is how we make our money. Well, you know what? That's that's a really good point. And I know like the music industry is very similar to that. For When, when Napster first came out, um, that was at the time when my band had just put out, our, we put out our second record. And before the, it was like a day before the record came out, it got leaked. And there were something like, if I remember correctly, like 30,000 downloads or something, like within the first 24 hours. And that's money that came out of our pocket, you know? I always tell people, and I'm a, I, I'm a big advocate of, of paying for porn. It's like, like you said, you were doing a job. You, you don't do it because, oh, I was bored, so I felt like taking my titties out so some dude could jack off. It's like you do it because it's like, I mean, we, whether you enjoy it or not, I, I, don't, I don't know, and it's not really the point I'm, I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is it's a job. You know, like you don't do it just because. You're doing it because that's your job. And you should be paid. Like, no one is going to go to their office, work all day, and then come home and then get a call from their boss. The boss is like, hey, thanks for working for nothing today. And you're, and you're going to stay. It's like, we all have jobs. We have to work. And I think that, and I, you pick up a really good point. It's like, you're giving, you're, you're, you're providing a service for people. It's very easy to look at sex workers and say, oh, it's just, it's just a sex worker. It's just a porn star. You know, to, to write it off. But you are, again, providing a service. And I think people need to pay for that service. It's so hard because there's like all these tube sites and stuff. And I'm guilty of going to them as well. I mean, I, I've probably, I don't know who I had the conversation with. It may have been you actually, a few <laughs> years ago, um, where maybe it was you, I don't remember. But anyway, I, I got this feeling, I felt really guilty. Like, like I'm not paying for, I'm not paying for this. And I really should because, you know, this is their job, you know? And I started paying. Um, but that being said, I mean, sometimes like, so what I usually do is like, I, I find like, like one um, performer that I really like for a while and then like, okay, I'll pay her like, you know, whatever the monthly fee is. Um, but like, you know, I might wake up morning and I'd be like, I want to jerk off to a black girl today. She's not black. So I'm going to go to the tube site. You know what I mean? It's just like, whatever it may be. But I'm a big believer in paying for porn. Just like you should pay for your music. You should pay for your art. You should pay for your gas. You should pay for your food. You know, it's like, that's again, it's, a, it's in an honest free market. There's supply and demand. You want something, you pay for it. You get compensated for doing a job. Do you think like, so when I think about OnlyFans, it's still relatively new, right? It's only been around for a couple of years. Has that helped or has that hindered um, sex workers? That's a great question. I do just want to um, talk about, like, just answer what you just said or add on to it. Yeah. My good friend Courtney Trouble says, pay for some of your porn. So yeah, it's not really realistic for anyone to pay for all of their porn. Like, I get it. Pay for some of it. Pay for your pay. Like, like Jeff said, you know, if you have a person that you're really into at the moment, go on their OnlyFans, find their wish list. It's really easy to 
figure out how to send us something. There are ways to ethically consume porn and that involves supporting the creator. So if you don't want to get a Pornhub account or whatever account, you don't want to associate your credit card with anything, mm -hmm. send us a cash app, send us some $20, buy us a lunch. Um, this is our livelihood. But yes, to circle back, um, OnlyFans, has it helped? adult i think yeah it has so you know only fans is not just for porn right it's like yeah. they prefer it to be like for fitness people and like non-porn people but um my friends are pulling in so much money for only fans so they need us just like a lot of platforms need us when they're brand new you know and then once they get established like they start kicking us off um it has helped performers immensely in that we don't need to be hired by a big studio anymore. But I was hired by a big studio, so that was always nice. But um, creators or you know performers now, we have full autonomy of what we want to release. We have really uh, what we want to work on, how we want to present ourselves. We have direct um, access and communication with the fans and vice versa. So prior to, um, I wouldn't just say only fans, but prior to, you know, like porn being more accessible online and just all these platforms, we are able to communicate with our fans and they're able to communicate with us. I think that the draw for something like only fans is that we, we don't talk to you in the DMS in like Instagram or Twitter, but go into our dms on OnlyFans, and you're talking right to us and sexting us and and doing that so i think access has changed and that helps the fans and uh, the creators and yeah just us being in charge of uh what we want to do there there have been so many people that have told me oh I, they said i'm too fat or they said i have too many tattoos or my agent doesn't think i should do this it doesn't matter anymore like we can do what we want to do and get the direct feedback and see what what people are really into if it's the mommy stuff step mommy stuff then you know we, we throw some of that in um so yeah i think that has been hugely helpful like i said i know a lot of people who are making a lot of money right now and um yeah we, we are not dependent on this old model of like what's considered sexy and attractive mm -hmm. um and we're not held by these companies who are run by like old white men just like every most every company mm -hmm. um and they're they're really like not willing to change so rapidly unless they're forced to right so like right now the porn companies that are still around have to keep up or as i'm seeing with some companies they're just fading away uh, but I think that's the same. It doesn't matter what industry you're talking about in terms of technology. Like if you don't keep up, you're going to become obsolete. Yeah. And that's not just exclusive to porn. Yeah. Well, I think you, you brought up an interesting point too. When you're talking about someone, they say they feel like they're too fat or they have tattoos. I mean, you are very groundbreaking in your career. And I, I've talked to you about this before. There are a lot of women who look up to you. Because you, there, you know, 15 years ago, let's say when you first started, like if you went online to find porn, it was like, it was always the same thing. It was always like the blonde, like the, the what's considered the perfect body, you know, and everything. Um, and then you're like, no, like 
I'm a fat girl. And like, there's a lot of dudes that dig fat girls, you know, and I'm proud of who I am and that whole body positivity movement. And it's interesting because you see it a lot in Hollywood. Like people do the whole body positivity thing or there, there are um, social influencers, but like you took it to the, um, the adult film world and like you won, you won awards. I mean, do you ever think about that? You really did break down a lot of barriers. I don't, you never come across as like someone who acknowledges that. Do you think about that at all? Yeah, my brain doesn't really operate that way. And I know like when Carlos was here, he was always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was just like, fuck yeah, that's cool, whatever. And I would just be like, I, I don't know. I just, that's not really the, how my brain is. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But mm -hmm. if, sometimes if I do think about it, I'll be like, yeah. Because when I started out, um, you would Google BBW and it would just be these, women who were blonde and they all looked exactly the same and they weren't presented in a really aesthetically pleasing in my opinion and carlos's opinion light it was kind of really sloppy and just not mm -hmm. so i i thought yeah like i can definitely come in and be different because i i don't know if i had red hair back then but it, back then it was always changing um so i think that's why uh, and obviously because of Carlos's aesthetic and his artistic eye and his work and his drive and his talent is a huge reason why I, um, you know, gained success. And I always say there wouldn't be no April Flores without Carlos Bats. Like we birthed her together and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I should be more like you know, oh yes, I, I did these things and it's it's made an impact. I just, my brain doesn't work that way. But, you know, now you go online, you see all kinds of women who identify as BBW mm -hmm. and they look all different. So yeah, I, I hope that I had some part in um, changing the view. But I think it goes beyond porn though. Mm. Because like women that will watch you or see you and watch have you, how your career has developed, they're not sex workers, you know, they don't do porn, but they see you as like a strong, confident woman, you know, and there are women that they vibe off of that. They need that. And, um, and I, so I, I think it goes beyond just porn. Now, just for everyone who's listening, um, Carlos Bass um, was my best friend and, uh, and your husband. Um, how long you, you guys got married in what year? We got married in, in 2003 2003 okay and sadly carlos passed um but um april and i've remained friends you know um ever since uh but carlos is um he was a force and carlos bats look him up online i mean the 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 art that he produced was i i believe will go down in history as some of the most groundbreaking stuff ever um, just such a powerful and positive force and he's changed so many people's lives and just hearing about like how you and, and Carlos developed April Flores and, and took it from this idea to really where you are today as a, as a, uh, an influencer and, and, um, and someone who's really changed a lot of people's lives. So it's really interesting when you think about when you meet people for the first time and you really don't know like who they are or, or where that relationship will go or you know, what they'll do in their lives. I find that fascinating to, to see, especially when you know someone and, and you feel like 
and you kind of know you're like they're going to do something cool but it hasn't happened yet you know and it's it's kind of fun to watch but we're getting off topic um <laughs> I, I can go on and on about that but um uh but i, I want to backtrack a little bit back to the personal sovereignty thing um because it, it's not just about sex work i mean obviously personal sovereignty can be about anything in, in this instance obviously we're talking about sex work one thing that's really weird is that there's so much like this heavy stigma attached to sex work um but it seems like it, it always ends up with being the sex worker being per persecuted as opposed to the person that's actually hiring the sex worker is that a result of just and I hate, I hate saying this because I always make fun of this word, the patriarchy, but there's true, in this case, I will admit there's truth to that, you know, because men, you know, men get away with a lot more than women. They always have, especially in this case. And we've seen it time and time again. Um, but I think there's, I think there's something like, there's something changing, you know, whereas I think more people, well, it could be two things. And I'd love your opinion on this. It, it's either people are more aware of this idea of personal sovereignty and and that sex work is completely fine and should not be stigmatized and it's just like any other job um or it could just be about um women becoming more empowered i don't know what you what your thoughts are on that i think that sex workers are scapegoated because most of us are women or women identifying and it, it is a patriarchy but i think underlying more than anything it's misogyny and that's why you know the government feels like they can regulate our bodies just like they can regulate if we can have an abortion or not i think it's so layered and sex work falls under mostly women doing it um so the views are shifting i think it is because of just people becoming aware and and um the internet like platforms like information is being exchanged and that didn't wasn't so readily available you know till like you know since the last however many years now people can go on and look up any subject they want to learn about and learn from those people and sex work is included in that we are you know we have some members of the community who are super vocal and putting out information um so i think it is people becoming more aware of um you know personal sovereignty and also i i hope that the stigma is going away i think that a lot of the isms will eventually die out with the next generations like if the world is still here like who even knows <laughs> um but yeah i think it's just that minds are slowly shifting and sex work is not it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> well you know i one thing i think that helps is that people seem to be more open about talking about it and i, I think there's a couple of reasons for this um i think comedians have done a really good job at this comedians for a while have been very open about um porn and masturbation and sex work and they've kind of lightened the mood a little bit and I know like there's certain radio hosts that have talked about, it. you know, I remember Howard Stern years ago talking about jerking off to porn, you know, it, it, it was kind of at the time people were like, oh, it's so offensive and everything, but it's, it's just normal stuff. 
and now it's like, you know, Mike and I will we'll talk about whatever, but you know, we can talk openly about sex work or porn in this, you know, on this platform in a way that we're not going to, we're not giggling, you know, it's like, this is a normal part of everyone's life. I, you know, before we had this, um, this conversation, I was thinking about this, uh, this morning, I was driving into the office. Um, and, I, and I was thinking about like all the things in the world that people do, whether it's, you know, going out for drinks or buying food at the store, going to restaurants or going to whatever it is. Like watching porn is really up there with like a daily thing for people or like a normal thing for people. You know, like I said, I don't have time to jerk off every day, but you know, but, but the thing of it is, it's like, it's just such a normal thing that we do all the time. And the internet has really made it um, a lot easier. You know, I remember, you know, having to go to the, the video store or even before the video store, like stealing, you know, uh, Hustler magazines from the pharmacy. Like, you know, like the guy would look away and he'd put them in your jacket and he'd run out. A, because you had to be 18 to buy them and I wasn't 18 yet. But also there was a stigma again. You're like, you didn't want to get caught buying a dirty magazine, you know? Um, and I remember that. Like, I remember being like 18, 19 years old, going to like a porn shop for the first time and feeling very uncomfortable and like worried someone's going to see me. And, and like, like what, how do I act in here? You know, it, it, it's just so funny when you think about it. Like all the, all the baggage that I carried with me um, at that age. And you don't really have to, you don't have to carry that baggage anymore. And now, again, because it's also in the privacy of your own home, you don't have to go out and get a, a video or a magazine. Now, um, the one thing I did want to ask you, or just really your thoughts on too, is, I, and maybe this is, again, because I'm getting older and I, I find myself as I get older, I, I, I'm starting to discover a new sense of empathy, I guess. Like, I think I'm, I'm becoming more aware of um, the different dimensions of people, whether not just in porn, but in anything, you know. Um, but just the other day, I was, um, I was there was this, this woman who did porn and I hadn't seen her videos in a long time. And I was going through one of the tube sites and I saw that I saw one of her videos. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what ever happened to her. And um, so I looked her up and it was very clear that she was ripped off by whoever her manager was um, and hated doing porn, but she, she was, she lived in some place, I guess, didn't have a lot of money. And, the interviewer was asking her these questions and the, her answers were very short. She's like, no, I hate sex. Yeah, I got pregnant. What happened? Well, I had sex with someone, he came in me and then a baby came out. You know, it was just like, it was very like, it, she had no interest. I was like, wow, like I feel kind of bad because like I, I jerked off to this girl before, you know? And, and then, so ever since then, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it anymore because I feel like this woman had zero desire to do this, you know? Um, do you think, and I really hate when people do this because there's, there's this, there's this kind of like, this goes along with the stigma. It's like, oh, well, anyone who does porn does it because they have no other choice. You know, they've been forced into it or something like that. I know that's not the case because I know plenty of women that, uh, you know, are in porn or do sex work. Um, and they do it not because they're forced to, because that's what they want to do. What do you think? You know, do you think that, um, do you think it's gotten worse or better in terms of performers being taken advantage of? From, let's say, let's say 20 years ago when there was no internet, it was probably a lot easier to screw people over versus today where it's probably not as easy. 
I know 20 years ago, and even now, a lot of uh, webmasters, whatever that means, webmasters of these adult sites were fucking over the girls that they were working with. Um, shoot, I had a lot of things to talk about as you were speaking, and now they all just kind of floated out. But um, yeah, um, what was your question again? I'm so sorry. No, no worries. No, I just, I guess my question is, it's it, this this idea that, that I, I don't believe you can you can just paint this broad picture of like saying anyone who does porn does it because they were forced to do it or because they had no other choice. But that yeah. does exist. So I'm just wondering, do you think there's less of that today than there was 20 years ago? Because times have changed and we have access to information the way we've never had before. I'm just curious what, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying that being empowered by sex work is a privilege. And that is a privilege that I have enjoyed from, from the beginning of my career. I started out with my husband, who was a really great artist, and we were working with our friends and no one starts like that. I, my first scene was with Belladonna, like no one does that. So I already entered at a really privileged place. There are survival sex workers. There are people who hate it and just do it for the money. I had this guy that I performed with. He was so gorgeous. <laughs> and um, a few years ago, you know, we reconnected and we were messaging and he was like, oh, I hated porn. Like I, then I felt really bad of like, oh my God, I really like love that scene. And <laughs> looking back, like it changes that. So yeah, yeah, there are people doing this job that don't want to and hate it, but there are people doing office jobs and customer service you think when you call someone or you go to a restaurant you think that person really loves their job hell no so we all need to work and um there are survival sex workers but yes i do think that um with so much information becoming available hopefully the level of you know people being taken advantage of has gone down um I hope so. I don't know any numbers, but I, I would think that, and also, you know, with, with P, it, uh, technology advancing so much that really all you need is a phone and some internet access and you can release your own stuff if you want to, like, you don't, you know, you don't need to rely on a, you know, a photographer, you know, there's so many people who claim to be photographers who just use that veil as a, as a way to be a, become a predator. Um, so yeah, I, I would hope that it has gone down. Yeah. You know, listening to you talk, and I know when, when Carlos was around, I mean, he was kind of, you know, he was, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but I always kind of saw him as kind of like, not just your, uh, you were his muse, but he was also, I felt in many ways, he felt obligated as, as your protector, you know? Is it, is it still a situation in this, in this line of work where you think a, some kind of protector or at least protector mentality is needed? I don't, yes, Carlos is largely my protector in, in a lot of ways. And it's funny because growing up, I would always want to, because I'm the oldest and, you know, I'd have to stick up for my sister, stick up for myself. And I would always just like, I wish I had a big brother. <laughs> and so like when he came into my life, I would joke like, oh, he's my big brother. But then that's kind of weird. So I'm, 
he's my big brother's friend. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was totally like my protector. And I think that a protector is good in this industry. A mentor is also good. Um, there are so many people who are available to um, give potential or interested or, or new um, people in entering the sex work industry to give them advice and tips. I mean, it, it costs, you know, nothing is free, mm -hmm. but there are mentors and there is information and even the companies like, um, uh, what is it? I can't remember the name of it, but there's a little, like a lot of clip sites that have blogs and, you know, everyone wants us to be successful because, you know, like we said in the beginning, it's, it's a, it's a business. So if the performer is successful, then the, the website will be successful. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was just, again, I think a lot of times I think about this in terms of um, so much has changed just in the course of 20 years. Um, it, whether obviously the internet is a big part of that, but I, I also think there's just kind of like this social movement that's happening. Women feeling more empowered um, about their sexuality, um, about their ability to be their own boss. Um, and I would say, I don't know how many men are still involved in the production of a lot of this stuff, but I know there are a lot more women involved in, in pr producing this stuff now, which is, um, there's definitely, a, and I've, I've kind of done my own like kind of random research where I've watched porn that was produced by women and any other porn. And it's the, the difference is so vast, you know. Um, the, that being said, there's, there's so much, so much fucking porn online. It's just, it's, re, it's absurd how much porn there is online. Um, and, you know, there's, there's stuff obviously that I like, but the, you know, there's also, I, there's stuff that sometimes I'll look at it and I'm just like, this is offensive to me. You know, like, um, like a lot of the descriptions really annoy me. You know, and I'm not like some, you know, super, you know, I don't know what the word is, but like a super feminist ally or whatever. I'm just a regular dude. But when I see a description, it's just like, you know, watch this slut guzzle my cum. I'm just like, why? Why do you have to say shit like that? You know what I mean? It's just like, whatever happened to just fuck it? Like, I'm cool with just watching fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need like a whole like list of like nasty shit that you want to do. And again, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a supply and demand issue. It's a free market issue. Apparently that works. Some, some people want that. Um, but it does make me a little sad, you know, that, that, that people that, that people find that um, attractive and that and it does make me a little sex I think of myself as like if I were 13 14 years old and there was internet back then like that's the shit I would be seeing I think that might fuck me up mm. you know do you ever do, do, I'm not you personally but do you ever is this does this ever come up in, in like in circles of performers you guys ever talk about stuff like that no, not, not, not really like, oh, what's the copy going to be on this scene? Um, so also depends on like who's putting it out. So these certain companies have their ways that they've operated forever and, and they will release um, and make descriptions as to whatever they think is going to 
be the best for their company. Right. Um, I would never write that. And I don't think <laughs> I know anyone who would write that. So just like with all work, there are trashy people in, you know, in whatever industry we're talking about and it includes porn. And I think that um, maybe clearly it's a misogynist who wrote that, but mm -hmm. the, was it written because that's how they feel or was it written because that's what they think their, their paying audience wants to hear? Who knows? And how much does that description actually inform the consumers to and empower them to be like, okay, yeah, it's okay to call girls come guzzling sluts. Like, that's what they like. I don't like that, but some people do like that. You know, maybe, you know, someone who's really like, you know, normal, whatever, loves to be degraded in the bedroom. Like, that's the thing about sexuality. It's so vast and it's always evolving. So I can't make a judgment on that company for writing that. I just choose not to use words like that to describe myself. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I try not to be judgmental. Um, but sometimes I just see stuff and it's very hard not to be judgmental. You know, it's when I see stuff like that. I mean, or maybe I'm just like really, maybe I'm just very much approved. Yeah, I, maybe that's maybe that's me. I don't know. Mike, what do you think, man? Like, well, this, this is what I think about that specifically. I think that they're putting it out there and we have our own inner spirit, our own ethics. And some of us are going to see that and realize that it is what it is. And it's misogynistic. It doesn't necessarily influence us. Hopefully it doesn't influence many people, but it's the same way you look at comedy. You can look at extremely dark comedy and you can understand how certain people would find it offensive. They don't have to align with it because it exists exists but what are you really doing by censoring it like when you look at libertarian principles what good does it do to actually censor that what came first the chicken or the egg right. somebody is who they are and if they're misogynistic they're misogynistic and they're going to find their own circles or they're going to have their own thoughts and at the very least, like, like, like April said earlier, if, if you're looking at the pros and cons of this kind of stuff, like it may be weird to me when, when, I, when I stumble ac across some, some incestuous style porn. It may be really weird to me when I find some very hardcore abusive styles of porn. It's not, it's not really who I am as a person, and I guess I'm a prude like that as well. But does that really... Like, like she said, it gives people an outlet that mm -hmm. might be healthier. A, a lot of the people that actually are into these extreme fetishes, a lot of them have never acted upon it. And they don't have the ability to. They don't have the means to. They, they're sexually confused. They're sexually um, um, held back. Uh, I forget the word. Repressed. All of these things. And they have all these sorts of extreme reactions as a result. And, and they have these sort of what we might consider bizarre outlets. I mean, you, you know, I, I love the... Your band growing up, don't fall asleep or we'll mutilate your genitals. Um, you know, a song about, uh, you know, um, what's his face, John Wayne Gacy. Th these things are things that, that, that made me and shaped me into the person that I am. And I loved and adored all of it. I love dark comedy. I love over-the-top stuff. Um, and and it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily inspire people. Think of video games. Grand Theft Auto. What happens in Grand Theft Auto? And, and, and this, 
I want to say this, this is like my biggest thing when I think of porn is like, even if you can pick apart things that you might see the negative sides, the positive sides, let's do that to other professions. What are the negatives of big government? What are the negatives of, of being a big power that we've talked about? Get to f fuel off of the abuse of slave labor. Get to, uh, uh, you know, are fueled and are empowered by people um, who are, are starving animals that get destructed, the, the planet that gets destroyed, all for our what? Our government, for our country? When you look at this, if you have a friend who's a lawyer and say they're a defense attorney, you don't immediately think that they're enabling murders and rapists to walk the street. They're just doing their job. So when you look at the pros and cons of, of sex work, what are, what are the really, what are the huge cons that you can find, right? Misogyny doesn't exist in Hollywood. It doesn't, okay. patriarchy doesn't exist in government, you know, uh, sexual abuse doesn't exist in, in, in other professions and other circles that that's asinine. It, yeah. it exists tenfold other places. This is almost a parody of it. This is a reflection of the real world. If there's a misogynist in porn, that means it's a reflection of a misogynist in life. It's just socio commentary. It's a reflection of who we are as, as a people, the directions we're going, and we should probably use it to better find out who we are as a people. And it's probably a great way to discover who we are because it is the least talked about thing that everybody does and our, our identity, our cultural identity is insanely a part of our porn. And that's something I've always thought of when I see these changes. And I do think about things like that, you know, what, what are the pros of this? There are a lot more pros that the porn industry provides than we're aware of, okay? And what are the negatives? They're not as severe as a lot of fucking negatives that come across with different jobs. Like we talked about, you know, energy sources and, and kids dying, you know, trying to provide us, whether, whether it wasn't lithium ion, it was something else, but you okay. get the idea. Yeah. yeah. So so that that's kind of my, that's my big view on all of this is, it actually is a lot more beneficial and has a lot more positives for a nation of sexually repressed or a, or a world of somewhat sexually repressed people who feel very uncomfortable about their sexuality. It helps them discover what they're into. You know, the kink scene is, is very positive for people who've maybe a lot of them, they, they're not, it's not that they're prudes, but a lot of them haven't had much experience. A lot of them haven't been able to act sexually very much. So they have these, and now they have a circle of people, a community. I'm not saying porn is, 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 you know, the same as being a kink or, or whatever, but, but there's so much that it provides. There's so much positive. There's hey, you know, for me, this is simple. This sounds very like 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 stupid to say, but for me, I mean, porn is an amazing way to take naps. Dude, it shortens the <laughs> amount. It's like like bam, bam. I only have to spend like five to ten minutes doing this thing that if otherwise it would be a task, it would be a chore to do this. You know, I can't just get hard out of nowhere, but but I love being able to say, hey, I'm gonna take a nap. All right, I'm gonna masturbate throw on some porn, whatever, boom, done, I'm out. That I use it for that. Almost always it's in conjunction with naps for me. Know. <laughs> you know, I just want to be held. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you, you guys are right, man. And, and you, you're listening to you talk is really make, make it, it's kind of like an epiphany for me right now. Because you're right. It's like, why, why have I looked at it this way when all this other shit exists in every other industry, but for some reason, 
I don't know if it's my, my upbringing or, or maybe it's just, you know, the societal norms that I grew up with has made me more um, uh, particular about the things that I see. Because you're right. I, I can call out any of these things in any other industry, and I do on a regular basis, but they don't tend to affect me as much when I see some of, the, some of these descriptions that we were talking about earlier, you know? But you bring up a very, very valid point. You're right. Like, why, what's the, yeah, you guys are blowing my mind right now. It, it, you know, I'm just like, I, I feel kind of stupid now because I feel like, you know, I try to act like I'm all like open-minded and everything, but this is the first time I've ever thought about it like this. You we know? don't talk about porn. We don't talk about masturbation. We don't talk about sex. I have had relationships, relationships where this is my partner. You are the one person I do this act with. That is what makes us different than like best friends on a pretty much, not solely, but honestly, at least, you know, everyone's different. That's kind of what I notice about relationships is the one thing that keeps you from being my best friend or the one thing that we do that I can't do with anything else, anyone else, is this act, right? This biological, primal, old school exists across the board, we, you know, with all animals pretty much, you know, etc. We don't talk about it. We ignore it. And I've had girlfriends that don't even discuss it with me. Mm -hmm. They don't, we don't even have conversations about it. Yeah. You know, I don't know their sexuality. I mean, I do, I have sex with them. We know a little bit, but, but I don't really know much. I don't, some of them don't want to talk about whether or not they masturbate. Some of them don't really want to talk about the whole orgasm situation, what they're into, what they're not into. Some of them have never really discovered themselves fully, I think, or, or they're, they, they're secretive about it. They don't, they don't tell you much. So that, that's what I think. Yeah. April, do you ever have um, women talk to you about their own sexuality? Well, I find that once I, you know, get to know someone good enough to or well enough to tell them what I do for work, um, a lot of the times people will just like divulge a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. um, which is is cool if you know if they ask me first. But um, I guess to a certain degree, but I think that women kind of just talk to each other about these things. Um, yeah yeah it might be like if if someone's a mechanic and they go oh well this this sound is going on in my car i think that comes along with you know just people being curious and feeling like they're talking to someone they can trust mm -hmm. okay i can see that so in the in the world of politics do you see anyone and i don't know how, how much you follow politics if at all but have you seen any lawmakers or politicians su be supportive of sex work, of decriminalizing sex work? Not, not, no one in particular that I can really think of. And I think that, you know, we have a puritanical country and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, no one that I can think of. Do, do you know of any? No, well, I, I've seen people, I've seen some people like bring them up usually on like state level stuff. Um, I think there's a woman in Louisiana, they're trying to pass something in the house, which would decriminalize sex work. Oh, nice. it, something was happening in, in New York a couple of weeks ago, but I, 
I talked to a friend of mine who's a sex worker and she said, yeah, it's kind of bullshit. It doesn't really fix the problem. Um, it's interesting that nobody really wants to tackle it, you know, because again, there's that stigma attached. And if you tackle it, you know, it's, you're very, you can become very easily targeted by your, uh, your opposition. Um, again, which is really, really unfortunate because, um, man, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too, but I, I've, I've long believed that with the decriminalization of, of sex work, um, you could probably save the lives of a lot of people. Um, what do you think, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, the, high, the, the higher regulations force more people and acts to go underground so that endangers people further. I think that, I wish that the view of sex work was shifted to a more realistic view, which is to me, I feel like we're healers. Like we, um, I would love for us to be held in the same regard as like a therapist, you know, because we do help people, but it's just in, 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 in the umbrella of sexuality. You know, I have a lot of my, um, I don't know how to refer to them clients or fans or whatever, but people I see virtually and I've helped them, you know, unpack some of their questions, curiosities, concerns about their own sexuality. And I feel like I am a healer, you know, and um, the therapist I was seeing recently, she validated me and said yeah your work is like therapy so I was like fuck yeah <laughs> if, if she called me a healer then I'm a fucking healer <laughs> um, but I think if we were seen in that light that we wouldn't be so judged or scapegoated or regulated mm -hmm. yeah I agree with that 100 percent and and Mike you, you kind of commented on that too I mean there is a, there's definitely a healing um, aspect of that whether it's you know, if you're just lonely and you, and, you know, and, and, and porn is there, you know, sometimes if you're just lonely and you haven't seen a naked woman in a while, or, you know, you just, for whatever reason, or again, I have a, a, a friend, um, and what it's, is, I hate saying the word prostitute because I don't know if that's, I think that's not the right word. That's derogatory. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. What is the, what yeah. is the, what is the word? So someone, um, so sex work is the umbrella, right? So right. you can call them a sex worker or um, a full service provider is kind of okay. um, what we call, you know, for full service. Okay. Um, yeah, a, ca a cam performer, a porn performer, a uh, massage, you know, it, there's all different labels, but for full service provider. Okay, so she's a full service provider and she's told me some stories that I find really fascinating. Um, one of her clients i guess his his uh his wife i guess he's divorced but his wife was just um just very mean to him and she doesn't have sex with him basically she just like rubs his shoulders and talks to him and um and just treats him nice you know and and she, and she's like and that's all it is um i i thought that was very interesting you know because you know, again, just like you said, she is providing like a really important therapeutic service for this guy, you know. Um, and then she also told me about this couple who I guess, I don't know how old they are. They're probably in their 70s. Um, and they just are into threesomes. And but like at their age, 
you know, it's not like they can go to like the retirement home and be like, hey, who wants to have a threesome? And like, she's like, she's like, you wouldn't believe it. Like, she's like, I bring them so much joy. And like, they, she's like, I just, she's like, yeah, I don't go over there. We, we don't just go over there and fuck. Like, she's like, I'll go over there, we hang out, we have lunch, you know? She's like, it's a whole thing. And she's like, and they're so happy, you know? And it's like, you never, you know, again, it's like, how could, I would never think of that. My first reaction to full service provider is like, some dude needs to not, you know? Like, that's my mentality until she started telling me these stories. Now, that's only a, that's a couple examples. You know, there's plenty of stories too, where she's like, yeah, this dude is like, can't get a girlfriend, doesn't know how to talk to people, you know, whatever it may be. And he's going to have sex. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, but it's almost like something you see in a movie and you're like, that's bullshit. Like, that's not real, you know, but then it is real. You know, I'm curious, you know, what do you think people can do um, to normalize this conversation? Because we can have this conversation right now and it's no problem because all three of us are, are open-minded people. We, I don't think we have the types of hangups that would keep us from having an honest conversation. But a lot of people can't have this conversation. And I don't think we can move forward in terms of decriminalizing sex work until we can have this conversation. So how do we get there? I think just changing the way we view sex workers, sex to begin with, and then providers. Um, but I think this goes along with a lot of the things that are, are changing now that we're becoming more aware of the inequities in society. Um, yeah, see us as people and healers and, and business people, and it's just a job. Um, I, I think that it's, it's slow, right? Like for me, I feel like real change has to be just kind of like, let that shit die out. Um, but hopefully, you know, if anyone's listening to this conversation and, and your, your mind is switching, maybe next time you hear anyone talking shit about a sex worker or porn or whatever, or consuming it unethically, just kind of nudge them and, and speak up. Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah i think sometimes we can say that it's almost like the whole um you know racist racism thing where it's like it's not enough to just be like no nah, i'm not racist like you gotta fucking say something you know when you hear somebody saying some racist shit and you're like if it's all white dudes standing around like you gotta fucking be like nah dude that's not okay you mm -hmm. know because if you don't then it doesn't go away right um and i think you're right i think i think that it it I don't know what exactly people would say or how they would approach it. I guess, you know, my personal standpoint is, and I, and I said this before, at least when people are talking about porn, you know, I always say, Dude, pay for your porn, you know, and um, I, 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 I guess I just, uh, I really wish people would just respect sex workers more, you know, because, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, but it's like, I think that like sex workers are, 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 probably like are respected least out of anything in the world. And there's a lot of shitty fucking people out there. I mean, I work in finance. You know how many assholes I've had dinner with on Wall Street? I mean, the, just like the worst possible people you could ever imagine. Like the guys you'd see in the movies, like in Wall, you know what I mean? Like they exist and they're much worse in real life than they are in the movies. And it's just like, these people get to walk around everybody's like oh they're so successful and they're doing they're donating to charity and everything and i'm like okay well how did you make your money you know and how do you talk to people and how do you treat people you know and 
Um, yeah, man. I think I think we hit on some good points here. Like, you know, I think sex workers do serve a very therapeutic uh, benefit um, for society and, and really should be treated better. And I think it, it would be good for all of us and everyone listening to this podcast. I'm not saying you have to run out and like, you know, scream from the rooftops, you know, every five, you know, pay for your porn and treat <laughs> sex workers better. But just be an ally. I think the know? benefit, like, like what, what I thought of earlier when when she was talking about specifically at least her uh you know or april's uh position in in the sex industry uh and and just you being the body image conscious being a positive role model for others um etc and it is it's its own and and what i really love is like i find myself talking and i'm like you know i'm not even sensitive and i need people like this in my life who can who can make me more sensitive and aware of others like jeff asking about the the, the word prostitute or whatever like i want to be more aware and conscious and sensitive to every type of person and to be able to be a good balance and a good positive have a good positive relationship with anyone. I don't want anybody to feel alienated or, or not understood by me. That that's a very strong goal of mine. So it's it's important to hear from from people like April and even just then, like catching myself just assuming her, this woman. You know, I, I I'm not in circles enough where I'm sensitive to these things that people are whether they're not sensitive of, they're aware of. You know there are states you could be in and and predominantly go around uh saying the n-word and you probably wouldn't get persecuted it's it like when when jeff was talking about issues about people saying things and labeling things with with great offense and whatever i mean we have a lot of uh issues and hang-ups but but to, to circle it back one of the most amazing things that i could think that, uh, that could happen is instead of focusing on the negative that clearly exists everywhere so what could help is we can look at the negative in porn and then project or, or, or extrapolate that negativity and then find it in every fucking thing else because it is in everything else. It's being able to be aware that it's a reflection of, of society. And, and secondly, focusing in on the positive, uh, what I was going to say earlier about it, what I was thinking about when she was, we were talking about the, the, the bio, I was like, man, you know, in a parallel universe, somebody like this, could be a guest speaker at a high school where everybody knows about sex, everybody knows about porn, and they need positive role models. People are ashamed of their body. People do see, you know, the physiques in every single magazine on Instagram and all this, and they need people who aren't just trying to tell you that you should be happy with the way you are, but somebody who's obviously sexually desired somebody that is desired that people want they want people like april in their lives and that, that, that and they want people like that is their pinnacle if they're choosing you as their their destination of porn there's a lid for every pot out there and people need to know that if they're choosing you you are the exact number one thing that they want in that moment you are the peak and people need to be aware that they can be that person 
for somebody and for a lot more people than they would think, especially if they unlock the confidences, if they unlock a new way of looking at themselves, accepting themselves, and, and looking for dynamics that, that people look gravitating towards the circles that, that want them and not worrying so much about the negativity out there. You know, whatever, whatever. I'm not the one delivering the speech, but, but somebody like April could literally go around to high schools. Nothing she's going to, nothing, nothing, nothing you'll say is going to be, you know, stuff they don't already know. And it's going to help at the things that they don't know would help their confidences, help their self image, help change stigmas about certain things and just help them have like a, a better view on things. You could be one of the most, because again, everybody thinks about this. Everybody thinks about sex, being sexually attractive, um, being desired, what they want, what they desire, what they should be like. And, and somebody like you is inspiring, like Jeff was talking about earlier, in so many ways that people need to hear this and they need to hear it early. They need to hear this kind of stuff early in their life. That's what I think. I think that, dude, that is so on point, man. That is so on point. That is like such a cool observation. Think about the people when you were in high school that came to speak to your class. Yeah. I would have loved to have someone like April come to speak to us. That would have seriously, seriously, that would have like, not so much, not just me, but like all, all the kids. I mean, it would be like someone talking straight to us about these things that we needed. I mean, dude, I'm a little older than you guys, but I remember being in health class and this is no lie. There was a fucking movie we had to watch called Captain Condoms. It was a <laughs> oh fucking God. cartoon. And if you wore a condom, you won't get gonorrhea. And gonorrhea was like animated. Oh. It was like, you know, a, an evil gonorrhea guy or whatever. And I'm like, and this is a point in my life where I'm just like, I can't stop like having a boner all day. I'm like 15. I want to fuck anything. You know, I'm like, I just can't, you know what I mean? When you're 15 and you're a boy, it's just like, you're a fucking despicable, gross monkey. And you're just like, want to fuck everything, you know? It's just, it's in your DNA. It's a, so, and then you're watching this movie and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm 15 years old and you're talking about Captain Conum and I'm just like, all I'm doing, like every class, seriously, is just like looking around the room at every single girl in the class, imagining what they look like naked. <laughs> but that's like, that's so normal for a 15 year old boy. Yeah. And you, I felt so guilt driven over that stuff. I remember being 15, jerking off to like fucking Sears catalogs. You know, when they had like the women in the bras and shit, because that's all we had back then, you know, and the guilt, it would eat away at me, man. Like, I would feel so guilty. And dude, like, I had like, I had about, and I was like a latchkey kid, man. I would come home. I had about two hours, two and a half hours before my dad came home from work. That would give me like two or three times, enough time to jerk off like two or three times before they came home. You know what I mean? And it was just like, you get done once and you're like, oh man, like, this is not going to go into hell. You know, I got problems. It's really sad. And I can't even imagine what it's like for a, a girl because it's got to be way worse for her because she's dealing with like a whole nother level of self-esteem issues that most boys aren't going to have, you know? Oh man, that's so, that's so, you've hit on such a, it's hit the nail on the head, man. Are they, do you, have there, has there ever been, do you know, April, if there's ever been anyone speaking at high schools about sexuality, like really t talking about sexuality, not like some bullshit, you know, guidance counselor? I don't think they would let a, a sex worker speak at a school again, because 
sex and uh, the kids, you know, protect the kids with giving them misinformation or no information. Yeah. Uh, that's a really groundbreaking idea, though. That's really, it was a really good idea. I think they should. And Jeff, I also was, you know, like 15, 16, imagining everyone naked. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this the sex talk was given in our health class, and he was not really the health teacher. He was like uh, one of the PE teachers just taking over for this health class. So yeah, what the fuck were we taught? And also sometimes, you know, sometimes because of the lack of accurate information in the school system, it falls on the parents to, you know, educate their kids, and maybe they get uncomfortable or whatever, and, and don't. Um, then uh, by default you know kids learn from pornography and that's that's not good because porn is entertainment it's not education um some some creators do make more educational type things but the majority of it is performance and um there's like athleticism involved and you know like you're not not everyone loves to be pounded like immediately like there are really unrealistic depictions of sex and sexuality that are perpetuated in porn um so you know, it's it's not all great, but it, it's not porn's job to educate kids right. or be role models. You're right. You know, I've thought about that too before because I've definitely like clicked on a video and it's like this dude just like gets on top of this girl and just starts like jackhammering her, hammering her, and I'm like, there's no way she's enjoying that. You know, what I mean, like there was, you know, it's like he has, it's so robotic and it's so like. I don't know, man. I was like, there's no way she's, she's enjoying that. There's no way, but you're right. It's not the responsibility of the performer. You know, are there, are there any, or do you know of any, like you said, educational, are there any educational things for like kids that exist at all? I don't know. No. I try to just stay away from everything related to kids just because I'm like trying to protect myself. So I, I don't know, maybe there is, but I think that it should really be the responsibility of the parents. I agree with that. It's just, I think it's sometimes difficult because, so I have two 10 year old boys and they're in school. Come in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and, they come, and they come home saying shit sometimes. And I know they don't know what they're talking about, you know, but it's so I have to kind of be on top of that. And I understand that's my responsibility as a parent. Um, but it's, uh, it's not fucking easy, man, because you're kind of like, you're trying to, it's like you're playing tennis. You're like hitting away all the, all the shit that you don't want them to see, but you know they're going to see it. So how do you properly prepare them for that? Um, and I, I'm still trying to figure it out. That's why I was, I didn't know if there was any, there probably is. There probably um, are some helpful tutorials or something, you know, that, uh, but even, you know, at 10 years old, they're saying things to me and I'm like, wow, like you're, how do you, you're like talking about shit that I didn't talk about till I was like 15. I didn't even know about till I was 15. And I know, and I know for a fact that they've seen porn because there's definitely been, they'll say shit when they come home. And I'm like, there's no way like someone was just randomly talking about something or making a certain noise. And they don't have, like, I, my kids don't have cell phones, but their friends do. And you know, they're watching porn. You know, I know they are. Um, but again, you know, I agree with you. It's the, it's the parent's responsibility. And that's for anything. It's not just for porn. I mean, go back to what you were saying, Mike. It's not just, it's not just porn. I'm like, I got to teach my kids about a lot of things. I got to teach them about peer pressure, bullying. I got to teach them about um, drugs, you know? And, 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 you know. and that's been an interesting thing, too, because, you know, I am 
an unapologetic cannabis consumer and I enjoy psychedelics, not to the extent that you have, Mike, uh, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I'm very open with them about it. So if they see, you know, daddy's medicine, they understand that that's medicine, you know, and, and, I'm, right. I'm, I, and, I, and I hope to be very open and I hope other people about that are the same way, but it's, and again, maybe this is just like the social norm thing hitting me growing up in a certain way that it's like, for some reason, I feel it's just, it's so much easier for me to be open about cannabis consumption than it is about sex. And it's not saying that I'm not being open about it. I am, but I feel like I struggle with it a little bit more. And maybe, maybe it is just because of my upbringing. I mean, it was very, I, was up, I, I was brought up in a very conservative household. You know, my parents were great. Like they were never... They, they've never said anything bad about it, you know? Um, they were never like particularly prudish about it, but at the same time, it's like, we never talked about sex. Like my sex talk with my dad was, my dad came in, he's like, do you have any questions about sex? And I was like, no, and he's like, all right, bye. <laughs> that was it, that was the sex talk, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's something I think I gotta work on as, as just like a person in general. Is, I, it's so funny after having this conversation, I thought I was so like in tune with, with, you know, being open-minded to this stuff. And clearly like there's been outside influences on my life that I'm just now, like after this conversation, I'm realizing, wow, like that's really affected me. And I didn't even realize it. And we have to, more people have to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think religion is really a, a major factor that, you know, I don't know if we should like challenge it, but it does, it's a, it's like really plays into how we feel and grow up. Like, obviously, you know, but um, yeah, I was kind of, my, my upbringing was also really um, strict and religious and um, yeah, I, I don't know how much that serves us, you know, in the long run. It's so different nowadays, too, because there's so many different types of religion. Not like, I'm not talking like Judaism or Catholicism, whatever it may be, but um, there's so many different like variables of it. You know, I, I have, I know people who are Christian that are like hardcore evangelicals. I don't really talk to them much anymore, <laughs> but, you know, but then I, I, you know, I have, I know people that are, you know, they're Christian or, or Jewish and um, very open-minded about sex. It's not even... Uh, you know, they don't even consider it. It's, it's one of those things that's like, especially with, with some Christians that I know, they're, um, they're, they're, they're proud of their faith, but, they, but they're also like conscious of the fact that like, look, you know, we're all sexual beings. I'm not going to, you listen to a, a priest who's never had sex, you know, talk about what I should be doing with my body. You know, they understand that. And, and maybe, again, maybe this is a result of our an evolution of our thinking um, as humans, because there was a time where it was like, this is in the Bible. This is what you follow. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you don't follow this, you're not a believer, you're going to hell. That, and, you know, we scared people into believing that this is what you have to do. It's different now. And maybe, and, and that, I think that's also, um, you know, partly due to the flow of information because of the internet, which is a good thing. With the religion thing, I think what, what I would maybe add to that is, it's not like you're challenging religion as a whole. You're challenging or you're responding to the part of religion that challenges you. Just like you uh, address the, the people who talked to your partner a certain way 
you know, you know, the, the, when religion or people or parts of religion speak directly to you or say things that aren't true or, or maybe they can't see the forest for the trees, like we say, like, yes, this might be true about porn, but isn't it true for X, Y, and Z or whatever? If it's inaccurate or, or, it, or it, it's, an, it's an imbalance that you don't like to see in the world, it might not be your obligation, but it's an, it's an option. I don't think it's, it's obviously, to me, not wrong to stand up to that. Some people are more pacifists in this way. Some people are a bit more like, uh, you know, uh, have a strong sense of like, they're very vigilant or whatever, but, but, but if religion is challenging the porn industry or religious people, specifically specific churches, specific parents, whatever, and it's, it's, they're challenging sexuality probably more broadly, if that's what they're doing, then, then we need people to balance that out. I think that's what it is. It's a specific thing that's going on. It's not religion, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 but it, but it's, it's through religion that some people, some groups, you know, say things that, yeah, religion has a lot to do with sexual suppression. I mean, I, the, the craziest girls that I ever dated, or the, I mean, you know, I hate to stereotype because this sounds, but it's like the stricter they grew up and the more like the less they learned it's like jeff whether or not you talk to your kids about sex or you're open about this that doesn't change anything you know when they when they know about it and when they can get access to it their boys if they have the confidence in themselves and their ability and their penis size and the way they look and all that we lose it uh-oh Right before the point. <laughs> She's just stuck the there. Major. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyone no. watching this on YouTube would love this image of Mike right now. <laughs> yeah. He looked like he's watching the best porn he's ever seen. <laughs> well, you know I really, Go ahead. I Go really ahead. love the points that he brought up about, like, there being, like, why don't we talk about people who are using, like, fossil fuels and that that hurt or like criminal defense people mm-hmm. no I, I i think he brought up a really good point and, and that really stuck stuck with me too when he said that because it made me realize i'm so critical of, of all that stuff you know um and here i am th- again thinking i'm so open-minded and i and i was just reminded by the both of you that like not intentionally but yeah, i'm not quite as open-minded as i thought i was and clearly there's some things i have to work on but that's good, man. That's the point of con- these kinds of conversations. That we can have these conversations and learn from them. Um, I-, I think that that goes a long, a long way. Mike, what we missed? Like you were coming to a point, and then we lost you. What? I think he's frozen again. All right. Oh no, no, there he goes. <laughs> if um, if you would like to, uh, if you would like to, let me pull up this. I have to pull up the information again. Um, if you would like to learn more uh, about Miss April Flores, um, there we go. Uh, the April Flores uh, on Twitter, check her out, and onlyaprilflores.com. Um, Mike, what, what was your what was your point? We 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 lost you right before this big point you were going to make. No. Can you hear me at all by chance? Now we got, now we got you. 
Yeah, I don't, I can't, I don't, my computer, something happened. I, it's, it's okay. I guess I can't, I, I'm probably good with whatever anyway, or whatever got cut off, got cut off. I can't see anything on my computer for some reason. And I could hear you in and out, but very okay. little. No worries. No worries. So I uh, guess I'm signing off if for, <laughs> we're close to, we're towards the end anyway, or whatever. And yeah, yeah. I can't figure it out. But yeah, I heard a little bit after that. I got cut off somewhere. I hope you heard me talk about the, the confidence your kids have in their penis size. And other than that, uh, no. If they think after their dad, I, they're going to be in for a, a tough ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, you know, not, not to, um, you know, take up uh, too much off topic, but porn is, is uh, not great because it, um, you know, if we're talking about body image, um, it perpetuates this idea that a big dick is all that matters, mm. right? Like it doesn't really matter size more, it matters is skill and um, intention and care and all these other things. So yeah, if you have a small dick, as long as you know how to use th what you have or your hands or a toy or anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and sex doesn't just mean dick and hole. Like let's move this, the definition of sex beyond that. Um, yeah. Just a few more thoughts. No, you're right. I always, I always tell um, jokingly, somewhat jokingly, I'm like, look, you know, most guys that aren't packing, you talk to a woman and say, listen, most guys that aren't packing, just remember they've had, they have to make up for that some ways, you know? <laughs> so, you know, just letting you know, I'm more than happy to go south of the border for a little while <laughs> to, 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 to prove my worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, on that note, <laughs> um, April, it was a pleasure having you here. Um, thank you for not just being here, but just, you know, kind of schooling us and, and just being open with us. Um, because, you know, I, I can't speak for Mike, but for me, it's like, um, sex has always been a weird thing for me because I've always kind of considered myself pretty open-minded, but, and a little bit of a pervert, you know, I've, I've always, you know, I've never had a problem admitting that, um, it's just who I am. And so, but then, uh, at the same time, I do have hangups about sex and, and, and I was reminded of that on, on this show and, and, I, and I hope to, um, to rectify that. And I think anyone listening, um, you know, it's, I, I hope you think about these things too. And, and if, the, if you find yourself listening to this podcast and, and a bell goes off in your head, you know, stew on it for a little bit because I'm, I'm going to stew on it, you know, and, and kind of learn more about myself um, and, and what I expect um, out of my life and in the way it relates to, to sexuality and, and how I view sexuality and how I view sex work and how I view porn. Um, it's an important exercise, I think, for all of us. And I think it will help us uh, further this conversation and get to a point that maybe we can evolve uh, to a time where, you know, we, everyone can have these conversations and not be so put off by sex. And, and people like you, April, can go talk to high school kids about sex and, and make it... Um, and make it so it's not such a uh, a taboo subject because we're all here for a reason. Somebody fucked, and that's why we're here. So we're all here from a fucking cum shot. Yeah. <laughs> as gross as as it is to think about that. Um, no, oh, I've also learned a title. lot. <laughs> I learned a lot from Mike and Jeff. Um, so I, I thank you for having me. It's been lots of fun. Thank awesome. you. All right, guys. Well, until awesome. the next time. I really appreciate it. Live. Free 
Live happy. Be well. Bye.